Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the podcast. That's right, we've reached episode 10. Yay! I am super excited about this, and I'm hoping that you are as well. I want to thank everyone for listening. Today, I am joined by Miss Megan Hargrave. Hello, everyone. And... In case you don't know who I am, my name is Aaliyah, and I am the main host of this show, and today we are going to be talking about a few things, and the the first, you know, last month was a real tearjerker, but a real important episode for those, um, for any service animal handler to listen to, really. It was very important. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it, and then come back and uh, have some much lighter conversation here. Our first section that we're going to have is a little bit of service animal related news. The first of which is that an emotional support squirrel. That's right. You heard me. I said emotional support squirrel was kicked off a flight in Florida. Okay. You know, the law says that rodents, squirrels are rodent, folks. Squirrels are rodents. Um, <laughs> are not required to be accepted on aircraft. So, um, you know, it's just getting a little nuts. Peacocks. Oh, wait. Woo. Did I really just make that joke? Did I? Ah! <laughs> I just made that joke. You just did. You just Ay. did. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go tuck my tail between my legs and go hide over here and finish the show anyway it's getting a little crazy peacocks squirrels turkeys hamsters turkeys pigs snakes snakes also not a required species to be accepted (laughs) on flights all these animals that we're talking about not required species um except maybe the pig i think the pig might fall into acceptable categories but even still a pig what about the cat? The, the, actually, cats are accepted as emotional support animals, uh, generally speaking. Yes. Yeah. Cats. Fun fact. Um, dogs. Dogs and cats are the most common, but... Cats and dogs, dogs and cats. Yes. Yes, indeed. But uh, long story short, uh, the woman made headlines when she tried to bring her emotional support squirrel on the plane and had to be removed by police. Folks, the police had to come take her off the aircraft because she thought that she had the right to have her emotional support squirrel. My question is, is how did she get past security? I think the TSA agents just were too busy trying to pick their jaws up off the floor to actually stop her. (laughs) But, you know... I wouldn't want to be the agent to, like, touch that squirrel and, like, scan it for stuff. Because those things can bite, man. They're wild animals. They're not tame pets. And... And I've heard their bite is awful. Yeah, it can be. And they can have rabies. And Uh all the things that we just don't need 30,000 feet above the ground. Anyway, moral of the story, things are just getting crazier. Eesh. That just that concerns me. It really does. And it concerns me is because something like that. How's that getting past security? 
And yeah, if they're if they're somehow missing that or letting that go through, well, what else is gonna go through? Yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess the TSA must have just been like, yeah, that's not mine to deal with. They'll deal with it when the when when they get on the airplane. You you go on, go on. But I feel like it's their responsibility. Well, yes and no. I mean, it could be argued because they're security. They should be responsible for limiting what. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) But she probably caused (laughs) such a fuss that they didn't want to deal with it. (laughs) You know, I've I've been around some people like that. I uh, was on a flight back. Um, this this summer and in front of me was someone with an emotional support dog who essentially TSA was trying to be nice to them and tell them that they needed to next time take the dog food out of the bag that they were carrying so that they could scan it easier because it counted as a food product and now they want all <laughs> food products out of your bag to be scanned. I... Sometimes they go through my bag and find the dog food, and sometimes they completely ignore it. It's kind of depends on the airport. And yeah, the they've tightened bed. regs, though, now. They want any food items in the bins, and otherwise well, they're going to flag your bags. Months, so. Yeah, well, I haven't either, but when I flew back in July, they they said now they require any food to be in the bins by itself so that it can be scanned. I wonder if that's just U.S. I think so. Or Canada, too. And this woman, like, lit into this poor agent. She's like, are you telling me I can't bring dog food on my plane? And he's like, no. I'm telling you that to make it faster for you, you know, we do ask that you take that out so that we can scan it. And if you had taken it out in the first place, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. You'd be on your way. Right. But, man, <laughs> this person just lit into this poor agent, and I felt so bad. I was standing there like I had taken the gallon Ziploc bag that I had with her food in it out and put it in the bin. And, you yeah. know, it wasn't a big deal. But, man, this woman just made a You're scene. Like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are some things worth making a scene over, a.k.a. someone telling you to take your dog's harness off or telling you to take all the metal equipment off your dog, including collars and leashes. That was worth making a scene over. That was when I and I still didn't. I said, "Um, would you like to chase her through the airport? Because that's what's going to happen if I take all this gear off. She's going to go nuts. And yeah, she's going to think it's playtime. <laughs> and and we, we had no further conversation about that. It was fine. But, you know, it's just sometimes you have to, like, confront the... Sometimes you have to just pick your battles. Yeah. Too. Sometimes you pick your battles, and sometimes when you pick the battle, you really have to confront the stupidity that happens. Yep. Anyway, the speaking... Choice. Yes. Speaking of airlines, the FAA reauthorization was signed into law, and while some people may not believe that that is something that affects us as service animal users, it is. In fact, if you look at the legislation, which we will attempt to have a link to in the show notes, if I can find it again, goodness, it's hard to find. 
in the legislation, it calls for key federal individuals to look into setting minimum standards for service animals over the next year. That includes asking questions such as whether identification should be required, whether vaccination records should be required, whether there should be a limit on the number of service animals each passenger can have in the aircraft cabin, and several other questions. It does not, I want to emphasize this, does not appear to have put any new regulations in place yet. The way that we travel with our animals has not changed as a result of this legislation. Some were fearing this. Since we recorded our last episode, we saw that the legislation coming through the House had some pretty strong language in it that suggested that airport personnel, airline personnel, would be able to ask for identification. That is no longer the case. So this does not create barriers to us as of yet, but we will be keeping an eye on this legislation as it moves forward into the implementation phase, as departments make recommendations. We should soon see a notice of proposed rulemaking from the DOT. We had the advanced notice of proposed rulemaking in the summer, where people were allowed to give comment on certain issues. Now we should see the DOT's actual formulated interpretation of that opinion and we should see what they're thinking in terms of new rules we should see that soon it's it's long overdue but the comment period received so many comments that i think they're having some trouble sifting through all of them and processing them all so we should have seen this back in september we should see it very very soon but all that being said we have a sponsor this month, and that is On The Go, a company owned by Julie Johnson. She has many products that are ideal for the guide or service dog handler. All of her nylon products are handmade. That includes harnesses, leashes, collars, and many other things. Anything that is not handmade by Julie has been handpicked by her and other service animal handlers to be the best quality. And I personally have many, many, many products from Julie. I have spent much money um, <laughs> on products. Right. I Yeah, Megan too. I have... <laughs> I have a harness. I have a harness sign. Uh, the harness sign is actually one of her newest products. And my particular sign says, Service Dog, Do Not Distract. And it works pretty well. I mean, some people have varying opinions on harness signs and things like that, and that's fine. But the sign's very... It looks good, and it's not obnoxious. Like, some, some signs are really bright or things like that and it doesn't it doesn't jump out and grab you and the, the harness that I have is very well made it's very lightweight it's different from the traditional guide harness in that it has more of a y shape at the chest as opposed to almost a, a 
T-shape, as it were, if your harness has a martingale. So the way that it fits the dog is different. I feel that it's much more comfortable for my dog. Um, keep in mind that it is legal. For those who may not know this, it is legal for you to use a harness that is not by your school. It depends on the contract that you have signed with your school. But like for us with the seeing eye, we can use different harnesses and the law allows for this as well. And so it's not that your dog has to be wearing a specific harness. It's not even that technically that your dog has to be wearing a harness is that your dog is performing a task to mitigate your disability. So as I mentioned a minute ago, one of Julie's new products is the harness signs. Um, she's coming out with some more styles and different wording choices. Also, one of our new products that I'm excited to get my hands on is saddlebags. These are bags meant for holding very small, lightweight items, such as a gentle leader or a bowl or various things like that. Pickup bags, and they hang on either side of the dog. That'll and, be interesting to see. Yeah, they attach to the harness. And the harness I'm, body or the handle? The body. I would think the body. Yeah, because it could get a little too heavy to hold up. And so, you yeah. know, keeping in mind that you don't want to overburden your dog, these could be a really neat way to keep a few things that you might need. It's an alternative accessible. to a pouch. It is, and there's more room than the pouch also. Yes. Julie does have a really nice harness pouch, which I have on my dog's back yeah, strap Julie right has now. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, she's very nice pouch. They're really big. Yeah, they are some of the biggest harness pouches that I've seen. They're really nice. And they have a reflective strip across them, actually, as well. So to find out more, you can go to guide-and-service-dogs.com. You can also find all of Julie's products in the on-the-go shop at the Blind Mice Mega Mall. Again, we want to thank Julie so much for sponsoring the podcast. And Yes, uh, thank you, Julie. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. And the next thing I want to do is to start off a new segment for our shows, and that is a mini advocacy segment where we give you a couple minutes of brief notes about accessing certain situations with a guide or service dog. And today we're going to talk about hotels. Hotels are covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act. That means as a place of public accommodation, they must allow you to be accompanied with your service animal. They cannot charge you extra for your service animal unless it is their policy to charge other guests for damages and your dog or you inflicts damages on the property. So, you know, your, your dog starts tearing up the, the walls or the baseboards, you know, you, or choose something. If it's, if it's the hotel's policy to charge other guests for the damage they cause, then you can be charged for damage. Other than that, you cannot be charged pet fees for your dog. They cannot require you to put down an extra deposit. They also cannot require you to stay in pet-friendly rooms. That is a big thing that's contrary to what most 
people believe and what some hotel staff believe, you do not have to stay in the pet-friendly rooms. Your dog is not a pet, so if you notice that they are putting you in that room and you do not want to be in it, then you have a right to say no. Also, your dog can accompany you to hotel restaurants and even if they are buffets. Um, they can accompany you to the pool, although if pets are not allowed in the pool, neither is your dog. So no, no, not not in the pool, but the pool. No, deck. no, no, no. I mean, I know, I know what you meant. I'm just saying that for our listeners' benefit, you would tie your dog down to a chair or table. Yes. Um, please yes. make sure that your dog has had experience with such things before doing that in a public <laughs> you location. Go it in the water. Yeah. Yes. Um. <laughs> You do not want your dog and whatever he or she is tied to to be in the water with you. Um, <laughs> and also, the uh, Department of Justice released a Frequently Asked Questions document. And in their general guidance, it does say that you cannot leave your service animal in a hotel room by itself. That is not adequate control over the animal under the law. So just remember that. And, you know, anything that we say here is not to be taken as legal advice. We are not attorneys. We are giving this as just general guidance only to you as a handler. And uh, for more information, we would encourage you to check out the show notes where we'll have the appropriate legislation and guidance cited there. So, Megan, is it any Can different? Can I just throw in one thing? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to just talk about that. So, with the federal law, and I've seen this in the NAGDU app, I believe. Um, so, federal law, according to federal law in Canada, Obviously, you are allowed access to public locations, such as hotels and whatever else, with your service animal. And the hotel cannot deny you. However, also, uh, if you do cause damages, I believe they can charge you for it, or you and your, or your dog. I think it's the same as the states. Don't quote me on that, you guys. I'm not a lawyer, like Leah said. But also, you're not required to spend your stay in the pet friendly rooms as well that is not a that is not a law so you do not have to take the pet friendly room if you really really don't want to so that's what i'm going to say here because i'm not sure of any other laws regarding that so um please look it up if you're curious <laughs> awesome and let me know if i <laughs> <laughs> perfect all right, we're going to jump into the main topic of the show today. We're going to have a couple of interviews from folks who have done international travel with their dogs, and they're going to talk about the experiences that they have. So without further ado, I will see you on the other side of the interview. So this month's topic is international travel, and I know a lot of people have brought this up and have had many questions about it, and it's very it can be a complicated thing and it's important to have some perspective and some ideas about what to expect beforehand. So we're going to have a couple of interviews. The first one is with Holly McKnight. Holly, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, talk a little bit about uh, 
who you are? My name is Holly. I'm from Texas, and I'm working with my fourth guide dog, Tyra. All four of my dogs have come from Guide Dogs for the Blind, three in California and one in Oregon. And I have traveled everywhere from Houston to Cyprus, um, not Cyprus, Texas, Cyprus as in near Turkey, Cyprus. Uh, my dad was stationed over there with his last job. So I have done that. I've also taken a dog on a cruise. I am a member of a puppy club also that raises puppies for guide dogs for the blind. I am a puppy sitter and actually have a puppy in my house right now that is seven months old and is bigger than my current guide, which is hilarious. So um, it's made me a better handler. But um, also lead worship at church. I am the vice president of our National Federation of the Blind chapter. And I love to read. Awesome. So And travel, of course. Yeah. So... What has been your experience with gathering all the documentation necessary to be able to travel internationally? It wasn't horrible. Um, I did it in 2007 for the first time. And, of course, it's very daunting. You're thinking, yikes, they're going to let me in this country and then they're not going to let me back out again. Or you're going to become that movie, the Tom Hanks movie, The Terminal, where you're stuck in the airport terminal forever. Um, I did an international pet passport, and I was able to get that through my vet. You can do that. You can also, um, you'll need to go through the consulate of the countries that you're planning to visit. Some countries, England is notorious for being difficult and it's better than it was but I still wouldn't try it um, when we did it the way Cyprus works is basically you can't get there from here you have to go through some other city um, I know when my mom went to visit my dad she would go through London because she could. And, you know, it's just by herself and nobody cares. Um, her suitcase getting stuck on the tarmac for three days was not what she planned. But other than that, you know, not a big deal. Um, we ended up going from Dallas to JFK in New York because we're thinking, okay, your dog may need to re leave. So rather than put her on a plane for nine hours, Let's see if she'll use the indoor relief area, which she wanted absolutely nothing to deal with. So we marched our happy little selves to the next gate, got in the airplane, and left and flew to Zurich, Switzerland. And that was the easiest airport I think I have ever dealt with in my entire life. Um including all the domestics. My dad is retired from American Airlines and also then became the aviation director for Bechtel Civil. So my father's airport designs literally are all over the world. Nagoya, Japan, Sydney, Australia, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, including Chicago O'Hare Airport uh, that was then in the movie Home Alone. So when they're running through the American Airlines terminal, where they're running, my dad designed. So little nameless plug there. But um, basically, I ha- did have someone meet me at the gate just because I usually do that rather than, especially in somewhere where there's a foreign, you know, where there's foreign signage and things, even with a sighted person with me, which my mom was there because she was on the same plane. Um, but this man walked up to me and said, oh, that's a guide dog. Can she follow me? And I happen to love the follow command when it's used correctly. So I said, yes, she can. And he said, okay, let's do it. So we went. He took us exactly where we needed to be. It was wonderful. He didn't freak out. He didn't, you know, oh, my gosh, blind person. Ah, you know, totally fine. Not an issue at all. That um, we were able to rent a car. And I was a music major, so... We got to go to Vienna and Salzburg in Austria. So I have seen, I've been, I've been in Mozart's church. I've been in Beethoven's apartment. I've seen the Sound of Music tour, um, which the um, gazebo where they dance for the IM16 going on 17 is itty bitty. And so is the church where they get married. Um, it sounds like a huge cathedral and it's not. So, which is kind of neat. But anyway, um, my dog was welcomed in pretty much all of those places. Um, and I know I'm going to go in way off topic, but I'm trying to talk about everything while I have it on my brain. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, that's where I was headed. Cool. So. I, I didn't want to steal all your questions and steal your thunder. Oh, no, you're um, fine. Cool. We were actually in Mozart's church, which is a cathedral. And... So, of course, I'm just, you know, standing there drooling pretty much, you know, thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy was a music minister here. You know, and I think of what my music minister does every Sunday and how dinky, you know, in comparison to a cantata that he wrote every week was, you know. And my dad very nearly got in a fist fight with another tourist who, of course, was non-English speaking. And this guy was absolutely having a hissy that we had a dog in the church. And, you know, she's very clearly marked guide dog for the blind, you know, just all over the harness. And um, he just wasn't having it. So he goes over there and gets this security guard, which I'm assuming was armed. I don't know. But I'm assuming he was because, to me, security guards generally are. And the guy was like, that's a guide dog. <laughs> Basically, it was the, that's a guide dog, what's your problem? Um, so I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, this works. Um, so it was not an issue at all. Um, we never had any problems. We did, and this was just kind of cute, when we were in uh, Vienna, we took the Sound of Music tour. And part of it is you can ride on a horse and carriage. And so I'm up there, and I'm not the tallest person in the world. So, you know, I had to climb way up in order to do this. And 
Then they picked up my dog, who at the time was 44 pounds and 20 inches. So little bitty thing. She didn't know it. She thought she was Rambo. And um, so they put her up there. She hopped up on the seat beside me so she could see. And um, and I had said that it was okay. And so all the locals, you know, just thought it was really cool because there was this cute little Labrador sitting up there. So they were taking pictures of her, which I had no issue with. Um, but anyway, it was just, it was the neatest thing. Then we uh, we saw Vienna and Salzburg and then flew from Zurich on into Larnaca, Cyprus. And Larnaca and Cyprus is where Paul's missionary journeys were, um, as in Bible. So as a Christian, that was incredible for me to be able to be right there. And I've actually been in the church where Lazarus's grave is. It's in Cyprus. It's down in a crypt in the bottom. And so it is very narrow and very small. So they said, okay, your dog can't go down there because she won't fit. Um, you won't be able to effectively work her. And so my mom held her, and my dad and I went down this pretty much ladder down to the bottom, and we're crawling around under all these graves that were 2,000 years old. So it was really cool. Uh, the only access issue that we had there was, believe it or not, at a haagen store. And so... Cyprus being in the Mediterranean, you're dealing with temperatures of about 80 degrees all the time. So, you know, just like, it's comfortable out here. This is not a big deal. We simply ordered our ice cream and ate outside, which we probably would have done anyway. So I really didn't care. But um, it was, she did fine on the international flights. Um, what I was told by guide dogs to do is run it, her food and water, and then uh, the day before completely limit it. And then what would have been her last meal, go ahead and fast her for that, um, which she was totally fine with. And usually if you fly internationally, you can get your flights pretty late in the day. So your dog is going to think that they're flying pretty much overnight. So she's going to go to sleep anyway. So she did. Awesome. So you mentioned earlier that England is kind of complicated. What made that complicated for you? They, um, I have never tried England um, because I have heard horror stories of they're not supposed to do this, but they still really, really try for quarantine. And I know you can you can do your titer test and all those things. I know people do it. Um, you have to wait an extended period of time. I'm not even sure of all of the rigmarole and red tape that you have to deal with in order to go through. But we planned our trip so quickly that it was just easier to go through another country. So we did. Um, 
and also one of the neat things, this is another kind of neat story. Um, while we were in Cyprus, Cyprus is about a 45 minute flight from Cairo, Egypt. And as a Christian and a history nerd, proudly admit that, um, ever since I knew what a pyramid was, I had wanted to go to Egypt. And my mother was like, you're insane. And I was like, I don't care. I still want to do this. And so while we were there, she realized, okay, this would be really dumb if we don't do it. So we did it. And she's now been to Egypt twice. Um, this, that was our favorite trip. Ever. So guide dogs told me absolutely not under no circumstances ever would I be able to take a guide to Egypt because it is very much a third world Muslim country. And when we were there, literally there are, at the time, I believe they said 16 million people that live within the city limits of Cairo. And it was designed for 10 million. So literally people um, live just on the streets, begging the poverty, the all those things. I mean, it's just insane. And literally also there are lane markers on the streets there. But our tour guide told us those lane markers are suggestions. And he also told us, do not so much as stick your nose out the hotel door without me, period. Do not do it. And I was like, lovely. And also, again, I was fairly, I'm still pretty small, but at the time I was very small. And so um, when we rode camels, he said, okay, your dad needs to ride behind you on the camel so that a camel jockey cannot abduct you. Which I have to say kind of scared me. <laughs> but other than that, I was never scared of anything. So um, two of the people that my dad worked with in Cyprus um, had a little Maltese dog. And so Polly and my retired guide got to be friends with Bella. And so while we were in Egypt for three days, they watched her. And then they went to Malta for the follow the following week. And so then we watched Bella for them. So it was really kind of a neat thing. They each had somebody to play with. That's really cool. But it was. It was it was really neat. And the way Cyprus works is there's a lot of there's a bunch of British expats that live there. Um it's much more less, much more less. This is really bad grammar. Um, much less expensive. Wow. Uh, much less expensive to live in Cyprus than it is in England. And so a lot of the Brits retire there. And there's also a huge British Air Force base on the island. That was our favorite place to go and eat fish and chips. Uh, they were seriously good. But um, 
so they understood, and you know, because they could speak English and stuff more than the Cypriots could. Um, they understood a guide dog and had no issues with her. And actually, when we went to church, we went to a multi um, ethnicity. Say that three times fast. Um, church while we were there, which was really neat. And I took Polly Ann, and she did great. Everybody was like, hey, it's a guide dog. It's cool. You know, they knew what a guide dog was. They knew about, they knew about accessibility, but because things are thousands of years old, things are not, you know, built for accessibility. And um, I had had, uh, in 2004, I had a shunt put in, and I also had three vertebrae in my necks used three months before that. So this was 2007, and I still, with surgery like that, it takes months, if not years, to totally recover. And so I wasn't able to walk long distances. So like when we were in Egypt, going through the Cairo Museum, I did that in a wheelchair. And that was kind of difficult because, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't a four foot door, you know, like there is here in the U.S. So they kind of had to, my dad had to do some finagling to get me through places. Wow. Did you ever have to experience relieving your dog uh, on an aircraft? Did you ever have any issues with that? I never Um We took the pee pads with us she never used them um like i said the indoor relief area at jfk she showed no interest in whatsoever and she kind of had an iron bladder so which was really kind of nice um you know and i asked them you know do you have an area at the airports you know and stuff and in a couple of them, they were able to take us around places, you know, and they knew what they were doing, so. Right. How was, yeah. how was the cruise? That, that's an interesting, I know a lot of people take dogs on cruises. Cruising um, is actually pretty easy. I cruised, um, it's really kind of funny because it was 2010. And it was January. We cruised out of Galveston, and we froze. We went from Galveston to Key West, Florida, and then Nassau and Freeport in the Bahamas. Um, it was 37 degrees in Key West. And it was my parents and I, and... My parents' best friends and two other couples from our church that went. And originally it was kind of funny because one of the couples from our church, it was their idea to go on this cruise. And then they had a single lady friend who had taken care of this lady's mom. And so they gifted her with a cruise. And they said, but she Wanda needs a roommate. So they invited me to go on the cruise. 
and then they looked at my parents were like, you guys are welcome to come too if you want, but you know, whatever. So it turned into a group of 10. So, which was just awesome. And we left, it was in January. We left he, uh, Dallas, drove to Houston, left there, 37 degrees in Key West. And one of the excursions that we did in Key West was a city tour on a little open trolley. Everybody was fighting over who got to hold my guide dog because she was little and warm. And she turned into a Labrador blanket, which I thought was hilarious. So Carnival was amazing. Each passenger gets kind of a little newsletter that tells you about the different activities for the day on the ship. Well, our cruise planner called me and said, do you read Braille? And I was like, yes, ma'am. And she said, okay, I can do that. My stuff was in Braille every day. And my little, you know, when you walk into a hotel room, how you get the, the little booklet that has the room service room number and, you know, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. The menus and all those kinds of things. They gave me that in Braille. And then on my bed, this was the cutest part, with cruises, you get um, cow animals in your room. I don't know how they make them, but they, they're just the cutest thing. And so on my bed, there were two. And our little cabin steward guy said, it's for you and your dog. It's mother baby. And I just thought that was just the cutest thing. Also, I had a bandana on her each day that had that matched the color of the shirt that I was wearing. So by the second or third day, the wait staff had figured that out. And so each morning at breakfast, everybody was peeking under the table at my dog to see if she was actually matching me that day. And she did. Wow. Um, but yeah, I never had a problem. The only time, and you have to present a lot of the same paperwork that you do just to travel internationally. The only time I had to show anything was when we initially boarded. And the only access problem that I had, this is ridiculous, um, we were in Key West, which is not that far from Southeastern Guide Dogs in Palmetto something? Yeah, Palmetto. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be wrong. Um, Florida, this lady in a key lime pie shop tried to deny me access. Nope. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. On U.S. soil. Wow. That's crazy. And she was American and knew the rules. And I was like, "Mm -mm, nope, sorry. Nice try. I know the rules. You know? So I spouted off things. I mean, you know, at the time I'd had guide dogs for 17 years. So I knew my stuff. And she quit. So it was fine. Um, the only thing, when we were in Nassau, we went to, we didn't swim with the dolphins. But Dad and I got in the water with them, 
and I've had four labs as guides. None of them have ever wanted anything to do with water at all. They are just like, ew, I'm not getting wet for you. Yep. Mom, <laughs> yuck. Yep. A little too much of a diva for that. And so my mom held my retired guide where my dad and I actually got in the water with the dolphins, which was really kind of good because that way I could play with the dolphin instead of her. Um, we got to actually hug the dolphins, feed them, scratch them, talk to them, all that. And one of the neatest things, this is so cool, I didn't know she was going to do it, but the trainer said, okay, point at your dolphin, I think her name was Michelle, and tell her, Michelle, go to your room. And so I do. So she jumps out of the water, hits the water, which splashes me in the face, which was cold, and then sticks her tail up and swims off. Wow. It was the cutest. It was the cutest thing. But um, I love big sea life, like dolphins, whales. I'm all about that. Um, so that was just a really neat experience. And T- Pollyanne was just like, Mom, you were in there on purpose. Why? <laughs> you know, you can see that. Why? But, um, they they were wonderful as far as the relief area on the ship. Um, it was it was one of those relieving boxes like we see at convention, <laughs> but they kept it extremely clean. I I was out there one morning and. And I had a dog for eons, so you carry poop bags on you. And so I was perfectly prepared to clean up after my dog. And the one of the ship steward people was right there, and he was like, oh, no, 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 that's my job. <laughs> you don't do wow. this. Wow. This is my, yeah, it's like, this is my job, so you don't do this. Go away, goodbye. Um, and... So it was in a private area. It was in an employee area of the ship, and they all knew that I was there. And also one of the things that we got to do was go on a behind-the-scenes tour. So we actually got to go up on the bridge and all that kind of stuff. And so my dog's been there, and that was that was really neat. She figured out her way all around the ship, you know, of course. And she never had any fear. She never had anything. What would be your biggest piece of advice to somebody looking to travel somewhere internationally with their dog? Um, do it. Um, if you've got the chance, you know, we learned with our trip to Egypt, you're only here once. Do it. You know, you're never going to be... You know, like we literally, in Egypt, we were eating across the street from the Sphinx. You know, you're never going to do that again. Do it. And, you know, make sure that you have all of your paperwork, but also make sure that you got enough chutzpah, because a good Jewish word there, um, make sure you've got enough chutzpah to... Explain to somebody, you know, if somebody is trying to be hard-nosed about things or say you can't be here with your dog or whatever else, you know, 
very firmly but very gently, you know, say, actually, she is allowed here, and this is why, this is what she does. She's not going to freak out and eat whatever you think she's going to eat, you know, be it animal or otherwise. You know, she's not going to do that. It's fine. You know, I think we have to realize, as blind people, and it's annoying, it's a fact, we represent all of the rest of everybody else. You know, so I don't want to be ugly so that the person coming behind me has to hear, well, the person, there was this woman that was here before you that was nasty that I don't want to deal with, you know, because of the bad taste she left in my mouth. I don't want to deal with you. So don't be that person. You know. All right. Awesome. Um, I want to thank you for your time, and uh, we'll... uh... Sure. That's what's fun. I like to do it. We will uh, get this file to you when it comes out. Alright, folks. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. want to thank you for listening. And uh, before we go, Megan, where can people find you online? People can find me producing content for accessibility. You can email me at Megan, that is M-E-A, G-H-A-N at iaccessibility.net. You can also search for me on Twitter. My hand, Twitter handle is MeganH13. M-E-A-G-H-A-N-18. All right. And you can find me, Aaliyah, producing content for iaccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah. That's A-L-E-E-H-A at iaccessibility.net. And you can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199. You can find the podcast all over the internet. We are at iaccessibility.net. You can email us at podcast. That's P-A-W-D-C-A-S-T at iaccessibility.net. And please follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore show. If you are interested in helping us continue our shows and bringing you more great content and interviews, please consider donating to us iaccessibility.net there's a nice shiny donate button feel free to use it again i want to thank julie johnson and on the go for sponsoring our show if you'd like to learn more go to guide-and-service-dogs.com or check out the on the go shop in the blind mice mega mall that's gonna do it for this episode of the podcast thank you so much everyone for listening bye everyone thank you everyone bye